history. But it's not just history. It's a book about God and what he is doing in the world. It's about the glorious story of redemption that starts all the way in the garden and goes all the way to the, the end of the world. And this is an important part of that story. So part of our role in studying this book is to see ourselves in light of God's story and how he is working in our lives. You'll remember what's happening in 1 Samuel that Saul was appointed as king, anointed by the prophet Samuel. And then Saul, though he started off strong, very quickly fell, that he sinned against the Lord, he refused to repent, that he was rejected as being king over God's people. And we saw how the Lord sent Samuel in the beginning of chapter 16 to appoint a new king to replace Saul. So this is King David. Now it's David the shepherd being introduced for the first time in the pages of Scripture. That he met David and then anointed him. And then it says that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And then now we pick up in 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse 14. Now, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul said to Jesse, sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we need your spirit to understand, to illuminate 
our hearts to shine into dark places as we study this text together. We pray that you would guide my speech, that you would guide the hearers, that you would correct any limitations and failings in me um, as, a, as a flawed human, that, that your inerrant, truthful word would shine forth into human hearts, that it would accomplish its purpose. Lord, if necessary, despite me, but I pray that you would use me to help encourage and strengthen your people from this text again today. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So imagine yourself in a dream. In the dream, you wake up and open your eyes, but you're still sleeping, and you find yourself in a dark forest at night. And then you have to begin to to move forward, but since it's dark, you don't know where you're going. You're afraid that you may trip. You don't know what's looking at you from the shadows in the dark, that you're afraid, groping along. But then imagine a different dream where you wake up in the same forest, but then in your hand you have a bright flashlight that you turn it on. The light shines into darkness. You see the path that any terrifying creatures that might have been hiding in the shadows shrink away from the light, and you're able to get home in safety with that bright light. That one is a a nightmare of walking in darkness. One is a good dream or an exciting dream, an adventure. And in a sense, that's the contrast that we see here as we think about Saul and David together, that Saul is in the midst of that nightmare, that he is is groping forward in the darkness. David is walking in the light. And we're going to explore that contrast today. So looking at walking without the Spirit of God in the darkness, walking with the Spirit of God in the darkness. And so let's start with that first section, walking without the Spirit of God in the darkness. It's the the nightmare. And look at how Saul is waking up into this nightmare in verse 14. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And so you see here these two spirits, that there is the Spirit of the Lord, and that's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And it's saying that the Holy Spirit of God had departed from Saul. And it's not that the Spirit departed from him as a true believer. We've seen already that Saul was not a true believer, that when he was anointed by Samuel, he had received the gift of the the Spirit, that the Spirit rushed upon him, and that the Spirit was equipping him for the work of kingship. That it wasn't the indwelling of the Spirit, but yet as he made his way through the dark, he had the guidance and the equipping of the Spirit, that he had that bright flashlight to guide his path. But then you see the the Spirit departs from him 
as he is rejected by God in his sin and in his failure to repent, that now he is groping along trying to find his way. But then you'll notice that as the, the Holy Spirit departs from him, as the light goes out, it says that a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And there's debate about what that is talking about. Some interpreters think that it's Saul's own spirit, that his own spirit from the Lord is tormenting him. That's a, a form of depression, even mental illness that he's experiencing. Others think that it's an angelic spirit sent from the Lord, but because of his dark, cold heart, that even the presence of a good spirit with him is a form of torment because of the contrast between what is good and where he is in darkness. But I take a third reading that sees this actually as a demonic spirit, a force of evil. And you might say, well, wait a second, how could God send an evil spirit? Doesn't it say in the Bible that God is not the author of evil? And the scripture is very clear that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. But yet scripture frequently will attribute even the evil intentions of evil actors to the providence of God to accomplish his purposes despite the intention of the evil one. So a classic example of that would be those who crucified Jesus. That they were accomplishing the work of God in bringing about the salvation of God's people, but yet they were personally responsible as evil agents. Or you could think of Nebuchadnezzar. Remember in the Old Testament how Israel fell into sin and rebellion, and then God said, I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, as judgment. And you read in the prophets often how it says, I'm sending to you the Babylonians as judgment. And he even calls Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, in Jeremiah 25, verse 8 and 9. But then at the same time, he promises to judge the Babylonians for their sinful actions. And I love how this uh, was explained in John Calvin's Institutes of Christian Religion. He says, I confess indeed that it is often by means of Satan's intervention that God acts in the wicked, but in such a way that Satan performs his part by God's impulsion and advances as far as he is allowed. An evil spirit troubles Saul, but it is said to have come from the Lord that we may know that Saul's madness proceeds from God's just vengeance. And I think that's right, that God allowed, permitted evil forces to afflict him in the darkness. And then you see how his men then make a suggestion as, as they see the affliction of their king. They say, let's bring a musician. And as a violin performance major in my undergrad, I'm very thankful for this, this good 
lifting up of the value of music, um, and even for our, our musicians to see uh, the power of music, that essentially what they're prescribing for the king is a form of music therapy. So an early example of music therapy, that when he, his mind and heart was afflicted, they, and they say, if you listen to beautiful music, it will help you feel better. And then as David comes, it actually does help that you see at the end of our chapter how he experiences refreshment and relief through this music of David. But as we think about this first section, walking without the Spirit in darkness, that we can draw out two applications for us today. So here's the the first application in this first section, that when we walk without the Spirit of God, like Saul, that we are open to spiritual attack. That when we walk without the Spirit of God, we are open to spiritual attack. You may remember in Lord of the Rings, I told you a few weeks ago that I'm, listen, I'm reading that book again, and so there will be some Lord of the Rings illustrations. Uh, but you remember that when Frodo and Sam climb the, the path up the, the, out, the mountains separating the outside into Mordor, uh, that they have to pass through this cave where there's the evil spider Shalab. And they get into the, to the darkness, and they're about to be killed by this evil spider. And then they realize that they had a light that was a gift, and they, they open up the light, and then the, the evil spider goes and hides in the shadows, and they're able to pass through in, in safety. But the point is, is that when we're walking in darkness, that we're open to, to spiritual attack. Again, remember that nightmare image, the light's out. You don't know what's coming towards you in the darkness. And this is something that Jesus describes in Luke 11, verse 24 to 26. He says that when a spirit goes out of a person, if something doesn't come in to to fill that void, it says that more spirits come and the condition of the person is worse than it was at the beginning. And the point is is that if you do spiritual cleaning in your life, that if, if you take away spiritual presence in your life, that something comes in to fill that vacuum, to fill that darkness, that we expose ourselves to spiritual attack. And sometimes when you talk to especially young people, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And I, I know a pastor who would answer that and say, great, I am too. Which side are you on? Because ultimately there are spiritual sides That is not enough just to be spiritual, but there are are spiritual forces of evil and spiritual forces of good. And without the active presence of the Spirit of God in our life, that we are open to spiritual powers of darkness. And that's why we read in Scripture that the Satan wanders around like a prowling lion seeking someone to devour. That's 1 Peter 5, 8. Or remember how Jesus told Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But he says, I have prayed for you. That without the Spirit of God, we are open to spiritual attack. 
And that's why it's so important to have the, the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. That is the place of spiritual safety. And you might say, well, how do I get the Spirit of God? And Scripture tells us that when we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus, that he sends the, the Spirit of adoption into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, that we begin to know the peace and, and the presence of the, the Spirit that comes and dwells in our hearts. And so we have spiritual protection at a time where the, the powers of darkness are, are celebrated in the broader culture that we can know that we are safe, we are secure when the Spirit dwells in us. And so that's our first application in this first section about walking without the Spirit, that without the Spirit we are open to spiritual attack. But then here's the, the second application in our first section here, that when we walk without the Spirit of God, we can only treat, treat the symptoms of spiritual affliction. That we can only treat the symptoms of spiritual affliction. Because I mentioned how the advisors of Saul prescribed music therapy, and you see that it actually is effective, that there was power in music to bring relief to the king in the midst of his affliction. And we know that as well, that, that when we face affliction, that we can find relief through music, that it's a common grace gift from God to us. But you could also think of other things that help with mental health. A, a counselor friend of ours said that if all of her clients only ate well, exercised, and had a regular sleep cycle, that a lot of their problems would go away. And that we can treat the, the symptoms of our affliction. And as Christians, we shouldn't undervalue that, that it can be good to treat symptoms, that if you have a headache, taking medicine can be good, and that we can utilize these means to be encouraged and strengthened, and we can use those to help others as well, as we'll see. But I think that the advisors of Saul were missing something, that they're treating his symptoms, they're telling him how to help the effects of his spiritual darkness, but they never tell him to consider his relationship to God. They don't remind him to repent and to return to the Lord. So again, he's putting band-aids on a festering wound. He's putting medicine on an infection that make it feel better, but it's not treating the underlying problem. And we can do the same thing in our own lives, that, that we treat the symptoms of our spiritual affliction, that we feel down so we watch YouTube videos, or we scroll through social media on our phone, or we abuse substances, or we maybe do something constructive like we go on a walk, or we exercise, or we get professional help. But yet, we ignore the very root of our fundamental human problem, which is the spiritual problem of walking away from the Lord. So the call then for all of us is to, to look to Christ in repentance and faith, to get to the root without just treating the symptoms. So that's the, the second application in our first section. But now I, we can 
turn to the, the second section of our time today. So we've been talking about the, the nightmare, walking without the Spirit in darkness. And then now we're going to turn to the, to the second part, the, the, the other dream, walking with the Spirit in darkness. And you see this contrast. Look again in your Bible at verse 13. It says that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. The notice in the very next verse, verse 14, how then the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. That there's almost this exchange that the Spirit comes upon David, departs from Saul. And so in David then we see a picture of, of someone who is walking with the Spirit, where the Spirit is at work in his life. And look at how he's described that when his, the advisors of, of Saul recommend music therapy, and he says, great, find a skilled music therapist for me. It says one of his, his servants said, this is verse 17, so Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. And one of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. And so there is this recommendation letter for David. And you can see the, this description of his character that was, that was known apparently to other people. And even there you can see the, the providence of God because he had been secretly anointed as king. And then now, by chance, one of the advisors in the court of Saul recommends to bring him where then he can learn the life of the court, that he can learn war as the armor bearer, that, that God orchestrates everything. And if God can orchestrate the events of David's life in his providence, that he can work in your life in his providence to orchestrate everything for, for his glory. But again, returning to this description of David, this man filled with the Spirit, it, it says that he is a man who is skillful in playing. So in other words, he is a, a gifted musician, a gifted artist. He's a man of valor, a man of war, that he's known for bravery and skill, as we'll see in the next chapter with the sling, but also with a sword. He was a man of prudent speech, that he had cultivated the ability to speak well, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. And then as he comes, as we said, he's able to actually help Saul. But here again, we can draw out two applications for us today in this second section of our time. So here's the, the first application, that when we walk with the Spirit of God, when we walk with the light, we can begin to cultivate our spiritual gifts. That we can begin to cultivate our spiritual gifts. Because it's evident that David was actively cultivating gifts that the Lord had given him. That it took practice as any good musician knows, to become skillful at playing an instrument. It took 
a certain degree of discipline and, and hard work. It took skill to become good with the sling, as we'll see next week with David and Goliath, that that was a, that took great skill and practice. You could think of his ability to speak, all these skills that he had cultivated, but not just practical skills, but what we could call virtues, that he had cultivated his spiritual gifts of godly character and, and bravery and wisdom and prudence. And so he was known as someone who God was with, that, that God's presence was there. And wouldn't it be wonderful to be known for these qualities in your life? That if someone called you up and said, tell me about this person, I'm, I'm thinking of hiring them for a role. Wouldn't it be incredible if this was the kind of description that somebody had of you? And when the, the Spirit of God is at work in our lives, that these are qualities that we can begin to, to cultivate by the grace of God. And that's what we read from the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.22. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That when we're walking in the light by God's grace, we can cultivate these skills, these gifts for the glory of God. And that's our first application in this second section. But now here's the, the second application, our final application today, that when we walk with the Spirit, with the light, we can begin to use our spiritual gifts to serve others. That here as you track the, the vocations of David, that first he worked as a shepherd, and then it, he worked as a, a music therapist serving Saul. And then it says that he worked as an armor bearer, that he would go into to battle with the king. And so he, he had the opportunity then to, to serve others through the skills and the character that he had acquired. And it's the same for us, that as by, with God's grace and assistance and the work of the Spirit in our life, as we cultivate the, the God-given skills and, and talents that He's put into us, that we can then take those and, and serve our neighbor, that we are blessed in order to be a blessing, that you have spiritual gifts that you can use to serve your family as a father or a mother, that you have spiritual gifts that you can use to serve your neighbor in practical ways or to serve in your church or to serve in your vocation, that, that these things become a blessing to those around us, walking in the light. But then as we, as we wrap up today, I think it's important to identify where we are in this text, that Whenever you're reading the Bible, it's interesting to consider, who, who am I in this passage? And that sometimes we can put ourselves, I think rightly, in the position of David, that we're, we're cultivating skills like David in our text. But then if we're really off, honest in ourselves, I think a lot of the times we're, we're more like Saul in this passage, that we're the ones who are afflicted, that we're the ones who are experiencing trouble in our lives. 
And that's where we, we come to that true, lasting, ultimate solution. And it's not simply music therapy, as wonderful as that can be. It's, it's not just dealing with the symptoms. But when we find ourselves in the spiritually dark place, like Saul, that it's then the true son of David, the, the descendant of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, who comes to us, who serves us, the Savior who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then when he comes to us, he doesn't just bring beautiful music to treat the symptoms, but that what Jesus does on the cross and what we see symbolized and sealed for us in this meal is that he deals with the very root of our spiritual darkness. That Jesus himself entered the nightmare of this world. That the lights went out as Jesus suffered and died as the, all the dark forces of evil closed in around him in the darkness as he called for the presence of his Father, but found, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then because of his abandonment for us, that, that when we repent and trust in Christ, that we actually can experience forgiveness, true spiritual healing, it's through what Jesus has done that the Spirit comes to us to give us life and hope and peace together. Now, if you're here and you've never repented and trusted in Jesus, we're, we're glad you're here. But we would encourage you to, to wait. That this meal is for those who have repented and put their trust in Jesus. And that's not a statement of superiority on our part but rather an acknowledgement that we are the sinners who, who need the grace of God, that need the death of the Son of God for us. And so again, if you, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, you can remain seated as people come forward, watch this unfold. We would love to talk about what it looks like to, to follow Christ. But for the rest, you don't have to be a member of Hope Presbyterian Church or a member of a Presbyterian church, but to be one who is trusting in Christ has made that public by being part of a church that proclaims the gospel, not barred by the action of another church from taking this. But ultimately, you come as one that can profess the faith that we hold together. And we see that in the Apostles' Creed. So turn to page 9 in your bulletin. And I would invite you to profess your faith together using these ancient words that have stood the test of time. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Because on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, 
saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So come whenever you're ready. You can come down the the center aisle. Uh, I'll be here with the bread. I can break off a piece and give it to you. Jonathan will be here uh, with the cups. You can return to your chair that way. We have gluten-free here if you need it. And then Ernie will be coming around uh, with, here we have um, prepackaged cups. So if mobility is an issue, just raise your hand and Ernie will be happy to bring that to you. So let's pray together. Father, we so often find ourselves like Saul in the darkness, wondering where you are. So we pray for the the torch of the light of your spirit to shine into our hearts, showing us the beauty of Christ, the the glory of our Savior. We pray, Father, that we won't simply treat the symptoms, but that we can get to the very root of our spiritual affliction, that we can know your, your power at work in us. And we pray as those in the light that we can begin to, to cultivate our spiritual gifts, our spiritual character. We pray that we can begin to use our gifts to serve those around us, that, that we can walk in darkness with light, calling others to walk in the light with us, seeing your work at work around us. And Father, we pray for those who find themselves in, in darkness, that they'll recognize the, the true hope that we have in Jesus. And we thank you for the picture of his work for us here. We pray that as we take this and examine our hearts again today, that you would strengthen us for your service. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
together.